I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another Counselor, that He may be with you forever. John 14, 16 Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life on the cross for me, for dying to save me. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to live within me, to help me. Sometimes I forget just how incredible a gift that is. So today, I ask for heightened awareness of your Holy Spirit's presence in my life. Open my heart and mind to see what you want to do in and through me. Help me recognize when your Spirit is nudging me. Help me to hear when He is whispering to me. Help me to remember to call on you whenever I am in need and to do whatever the Spirit tells me. Today I ask that you would give me a heart ready and willing to serve the people you place in front of me, confident that by the power of your Spirit I will have all that I need to follow your lead. I know I experience more of you when I'm serving others. I realize that it's what I was born to do. It gives me so much joy to be your hands and feet. Holy Spirit, I surrender myself to you completely. Do with me as you will. Father, use me for your kingdom and your glory. I want to bring you much praise and great honor through my life today. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me today. Stay tuned to immerse yourself in the greatest stories ever told from Pray.com's podcast, Heroes in the Bible. Hello, my name is Matthew Potter, co-founder of Pray.com. And before we start today's episode of Heroes in the Bible, I wanted to ask, do you know what your bank does with your money? At America's Christian Credit Union, your everyday banking helps grow churches, expand the reach of missions agencies, and supports fellow believers across the country. Learn more about specials for switching to ACCU and their nationwide banking capabilities at americaschristiancu.com forward slash pray. Plus, the peace of mind knowing that this credit union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hi, this is Dr. Tony Evans, and I'm excited for you to join me on this series. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify so you get the newest episodes right as they come out. Welcome to The Epic Adventure of David, a story of honor, battle, jealousy, darkness, friendship, love, scandal, and murder. While most people know of David the myth, few know about David the man. This episode begins a new chapter of David's life, the wilderness. This episode is going to be a challenge to listen to. David is going to compromise in ways unbecoming of God's chosen hero. He will show signs of moral decline and sin, making us question his calling. There's a philosophical quandary presented in this episode. Do lines between good and bad become blurred under certain circumstances, or does everything remain black and white? David is going to be driven to do things he would not otherwise do, but harsh circumstances seem to force his hand. Pay close attention to David's inner dialogue during this episode. He's going to wrestle with his own conscience and rely on the grace of God. Ultimately, it is good for us to see David's weaknesses. 
Seeing him this way will remind us that he is not perfect and we shouldn't expect him to be. The prelude of this episode gives us a reminder that the ultimate hero of this story isn't David at all, but God. Jesus was able to overcome where other men had failed. He alone should be the one we look to for hope. David's story becomes more complicated from this point forward. It's no longer just a battle of good versus evil. David will have to battle with his own competing desires and instincts. His confusion and compromise should be familiar to us. Sometimes we face situations that don't have a clear right way out. What do we do when there seems to be a million wrong decisions and no clear right one? Let's see how David handles this question in Episode 9, David the Madman. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Prelude to Chapter 9 for 40 days, Jesus had gone without food. His body was beginning to eat away at itself, and his mind was experiencing the dull effects of starvation. The weakness of humanity was felt in full force by Jesus. His body trembled, longing for any form of sustenance. It was in this moment, a slithering presence emerged from the darkness. He slid his way behind Jesus and whispered in his ear, Look. It is the Son of God, shaking like a starving animal. Satan hissed. His voice was quiet and sharp, like the silent sting of a scorpion. If you truly are the Son of God, why not just command these stones to become bread? Surely the Creator himself deserves some food. This was the first temptation, the lust of the flesh a tactic that worked for Adam and Eve once in the garden. Jesus' body ached from hunger. The pain was nearly unbearable. He considered for a moment what a small piece of bread would do. Yet Jesus came to identify with the weakness of mankind. If he simply turned the stones into bread, he would take advantage of the power God gave him. Besides, he did not need bread. The comfort of the Father was enough. 
Jesus, not looking behind him, replied with scripture saying, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by the very words uttered from God himself. It was difficult for Jesus to speak. He had a fever from the hunger, and the chills caused him to shiver. Satan, still behind Jesus, scowled. In an instant, he took Jesus up in a vision. The two of them stood overlooking the earth. Satan showed Jesus the nations of the world, gold, silver, and jewels, armies, thrones, and monuments. You see all of this? Satan hissed. These kingdoms are mine. They have been taken by me and are mine to give. All this power, all this glory could be yours. Satan leaned in closer to Jesus. Look, son of God. Look at all that could be yours to rule. All you must do is worship me. This was the second temptation, the lust for power. A temptation Eve once fell for when Satan promised she would be like God. Jesus' weary eyes looked upon the nations. Satan made an enticing offer to rule over his people once again. Yet corruption was not the way to win the hearts of man. Jesus closed his eyes and quoted the scriptures once again, saying, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God. Him and him alone you shall serve. Satan scoffed and wrapped his cloak around Jesus. All of a sudden, the two of them were standing over the temple of Jerusalem. They were at its highest point, overlooking the people below. The wind howled as Jesus stood at the very tip of the massive structure. Look! Satan screamed through the wind, pointing to the people below. They are all here, waiting for you to show yourself. Make a spectacle and jump off. You and I both know what the scriptures say. They claim that the Lord will order his angels to protect you. This was the third temptation, the pride of life. Jesus looked down at the people coming in and out of the temple. If they were to see a man flying on the wings of angels over the holy temple, surely they would worship him. Yet it would be no greater than a circus act. Jesus knew that it was not signs and wonders that would save mankind. He knew what his true purpose was. You must not test the Lord your God. Jesus answered silently. Satan sneered at Jesus, ready to tempt him again. But before he could speak, Jesus turned around, looking him in the eyes for the first time. Enough! Jesus rebuked. Satan jarred back. The two of them were standing in the wilderness once again. The stars were settled high in the sky, and the howling evening wind rolled over the hills. Satan shrunk at the voice of Jesus. They were not equals. Jesus alone held the power. So Satan retreated back into the grass, so he may scheme more about how to take the heart of man. Jesus then departed to eat, recover, and pray. He had successfully resisted the temptations of the enemy. Temptations that had caused humanity to stumble for thousands of generations. Jesus, even in his most weakened state, was able to overcome it. This would be a foreshadowing of things to come. Jesus, even at his most afflicted, would overcome.
Chapter 9 David the Madman Rain descended from the heavens like arrows. Thunder rolled from the west, ushering in bolts of lightning. The winds and rain howled against David's face as he marched from Gibeah to Nob. He climbed up some jagged rocks, seeking refuge from the storm in the cracks of the hills. Each stone was slippery and loose. David found it difficult to move forward without stumbling. He grabbed at a root planted between two stones and pulled himself up. However, the root quickly gave way, since the rains had made the dirt soft. David fell down onto his back, losing his breath. He lay there motionless, looking up at the cascading skies. David slowly got up, groaning and holding his ribs. His muscles were shaking from lack of food, and he had lost almost all feeling in his hands and feet from the cold rain. He peered through the rain to see an overhang of two large stones, creating a small shelter. David nestled in, bracing himself from the wind and rain. The young shepherd brought his knees close to his chest and buried his head in between his legs. All night, the champion of Israel, the giant slayer, wept in the bitter cold. In the lonely darkness, while the heavens raged around him, David sang a song of hope to the Lord. My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he whispered. He smiled, leaning his head against the cold stone. Slowly, as he recited hymns to his beloved God, David fell asleep. David awoke in the morning to a breathtaking sunrise lighting up the horizon. Splashes of orange kissed the earth below. The air was fresh and crisp after the rain, and the chill in the air left David shaking. Two days had passed since David last ate. Every town and village he passed by were filled with Saul's soldiers and spies. The king had ordered them to scour the nation in search of David. They would not rest until he was brought in chains back to the king. As much as he longed to be back home with his wife, Jonathan, and the comforts of the palace, David knew that there was no place for him there as long as Saul was on the throne. He could not return to Bethlehem to see his family either. That would be the first place Saul would look. David had to remain on the outskirts of every town, village, and city until he could plan his next steps. The first thing on his mind was getting something to eat. His stomach ached with the pangs of hunger, and he knew there would be no surviving this exile without a sustainable source of food. As David hiked along the narrow paths on the hills outside Nob, he looked down to see the temple of the priest, Ahimelech. Smoke rose out of the chimney, and David fantasized about a warm meal by the fire. David humbled his way down the hill, and the temple came closer into view. It was a familiar sight to David. He remembered going there to make sacrifices to the Lord after his victory over Goliath. Ahimelech was a kind and gentle soul. However, David would have to tread cautiously. He could not tell Ahimelech about what had happened. If he did, he risked Saul knowing his location and the lives of Ahimelech's priests. David composed himself and walked upright to the temple. He had no weapons or pack. If he was going to trick Ahimelech into giving him food, he had to be clever. David came to the door and knocked. The old priest opened the door to see the giant slayer soaking wet and covered in filth. David did not wait to be invited in. 
he could not wait for Ahimelech to consider what was happening. David needed to be the one to set the pace of the conversation. Ahimelech, thank the Lord you are here, David said frantically. He stumbled in and began to look around as if he had misplaced something. The old priest was confused and flustered. Young David, it is odd for me to see you at this hour. Why are you here alone? I am on an urgent mission from the king, David lied. He has charged me to tell no one of my whereabouts except the band of soldiers that will be here to aid me. David saw a basin of water and began to drink from it. He wiped his mouth and smiled apologetically at the priest. I am sorry to come so abruptly and unannounced to Himalek. However, I had to leave immediately. Lives are in peril, and I haven't much time. That is why you see me with no food, armor, or weapons here today. The old priest sat down and stroked his beard. Ahimelech was a kind and innocent man, concerned about the holy sacrifices and devotion to God. He did not look at David skeptically. How may I be of service to you and the king? He asked innocently. What food do you have at hand? David asked. Five loaves of bread should be enough to feed my men and I. However, anything you have will be fine. The words burned as they left David's lips. He hated lying in the presence of a man of God, but his hunger was overpowering. If he told the priest the truth, he would put him and everyone in the temple in danger. I have no bread to give you, Ahimelech said, holding out his palms. The boys who study here have retreated for the night. The only bread we have is the... Ahimelech paused and pondered for a moment. He held up his finger and paced into the other room. David grew nervous. His fingers twitched over the side of his leg. His eyes darted to the torch hanging on the stone wall. Perhaps I should just take the fire and run, David thought to himself. I cannot remain here for much longer. It is only a matter of time before Saul's men catch up to me. David walked up to the torch mounted on the wall and wrapped his hand around it. Before he could lift it from its place, Ahimelech returned with a large basket covered in cloth. The priests unwrapped the basket to reveal twelve pieces of freshly baked bread still steaming from the wood oven. David's mouth watered at the sight of it. His stomach growled. It took all his power to not pounce on the basket and devour every morsel of bread. However, David composed himself and remained silent. Ahimelech gestured to the bread and said, all we have is the ceremonial showbread. To eat this showbread is to eat in the Lord's house as a friend and a guest, enjoying his hospitality. It is a great bond of friendship, and not a thing to eat casually. David's palms began to sweat. He knew that the showbread was only to be eaten by priests. To eat such bread would be breaking a Levitical law. Ahimelech offered it because he knew that meeting the needs of weary travelers was more important than ceremony to the Lord. However, he did not know that David was lying. He was ignorant that David was actually on the run from Saul and afraid for his life. You and your soldiers may eat of this bread only if you have kept yourselves from women. It is important that you be ceremonially clean, or else I am disgraced as a priest. Do you understand? David was weighing the cost of his actions. He prided himself as a man of honor and integrity. 
However, the pangs of hunger seemed to drown out his convictions. He was weak. David reached for the basket and bowed his head. When I lead my men on any expedition, the men are always kept from women. We do not pass by the women of the city or indulge in any carnal desires. We are not Philistine dogs. We understand honor. David puffed up his chest, falling deeper and deeper into his own self-loathing. The young men who are on their way are holy. They are worthy of this bread. Ahimelech handed over the bread and smiled. May the Lord bless you and keep you, young David. Truly you and your men must be worthy of this bread. Thank you for being a protector of Israel. The priest's words dug deeply into David's heart. He could barely stand himself. Do you have any weapons? David asked. The king's business required I leave immediately, so I did not bring any sword or spear. The priest's eyes lit up. He said nothing and beckoned David to follow him down the hallway. David followed, trying not to seem too eager to eat the bread. David held the bread close to his chest, still feeling the sting of guilt as he carried it. The priest led David into a room. A large tapestry covered the back wall. Woven into it was a beautiful design of bright orange, red, and tan. David pressed his hand against it, running his fingers through every detail. In the design was the picture of a warrior swinging downward on his enemy. The enemy was beast-like and large. The warrior was glimmering with honor and glory, with a giant sword beaming upwards into the sun. David looked over at Ahimelech. The priest pulled out a large wooden chest pressed up against the left side of the room. The chest opened, and the priest gently took out a large item wrapped in cloth. He unwrapped it slowly. David watched as a beautiful sword emerged glistening in the torchlight. It was larger than most swords, with a hilt designed for the grip of a giant. The priest lifted it up and placed it in David's hands. The grip, the swing, and the weight seemed familiar to him, like a dream he had forgotten finally coming back to memory. David stared at his own reflection in the sword, flickering with the firelight. The priest smiled and said, This is the sword of Goliath the Philistine, he said. This is the sword you slew him with that day. We took great care of it, knowing it was a reminder of the faithfulness of our God. David held the sword firmly and raised it in the air. He remembered how heavy the sword felt that day. He remembered raising it high in the air with all his might, then swinging it down with the power of God behind him. The sword was a reminder of his calling and anointing before the Lord. He gripped it tightly, then strapped the sword behind his back. David closed his eyes and bowed before the priest. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. He said his goodbyes, grabbed a torch and the basket of bread, then retreated back into the hills. David passed through a pasture filled with grazing cows and goats, unaware of the man watching him from a distance. Under the cover of midnight, creeping in the shadows, loyal eyes of Saul were watching. Doeg the Edomite laid back against the fence of the pasture, watching David ascend into the hills. His eyes darted back to the temple. He covered himself in his cloak, then marched back to Gibeah to tell Saul what he had seen.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. David propped up his torch against the cold stone cave. The flickering light illuminated every crack and crevice of the dark rocks. David leaned back and held the bread in his lap. He closed his eyes and sighed. <sighs> Forgive me, Lord. David broke the bread and ate it slowly. Each bite revitalized his body, but his soul continued to ache out of guilt. He was utterly alone and lamenting the sins he had committed to feed himself. I will always remember this, David whispered into nothingness. I will always remember what it is like to starve. David ate a few more bites, then wrapped the bread and put it away. He leaned back and propped his head up to look outside. He looked at the stars and hummed to the Lord. His fingers moved as if they were plucking a harp. Even at his lowest, he always had a song in his heart for the Lord. David woke the next morning with a new hope for the day. He descended the hills, traversing the side and staying off the main roads. He looked down at the temple below and smiled. Then he ventured towards the borderlands between Israel and the Philistines. David was a known and feared man among the Philistines. However, he had to take his chances. Saul had spies and men searching every corner of the nation. He would never expect David to hide among the enemy. He looked over his shoulder to see a few small figures on horseback making their way towards him. They were armored men with spears in their hands. David's eyes widened and his pace quickened. He was half a mile from the Philistine city of Gath. However, he could not beat the man on horseback. David made a quick pivot to the left and hid behind a large stone. The soldiers on horseback were approaching fast. They were sure to have seen him try to hide. That is exactly what David wanted. He scaled the rocks, being sure to remain hidden until the horses drew near. The men stopped near the stone. Come out, David. We know you were hiding there, one of them commanded. David winced with regret for what he was about to do, but they gave him no choice. He hoisted himself on top of the stone, bent his knees, and launched himself at one of the soldiers. David's legs made a direct hit on the soldier's chest, knocking him off his horse. In fear, the horse began to buck and kick, then burst into a full gallop. David held on for dear life. He pulled himself up onto the saddle and gained control of the horse. He yelled. He galloped until the men were out of view behind him. Tears rolled down David's cheeks as the cold wind bit his face. He was filled with regret for everything that had happened. He had nowhere to turn nowhere to seek refuge. So he galloped towards Gath, in hopes the mercy of God would follow him. 
even if it was in the land of the enemy. The marketplace of Gath was busy with angry merchants and sickly beggars. David weaved his way through the throng of people, doing his best to remain hidden. His eyes darted upward at a few soldiers looking down from the rooftops. David hid his light curls under his hood and threw his cloak over the sword of Goliath strapped to his back. The Philistine culture was vastly different from the Hebrews. Idols erected to their gods Baal, Astarte, and Dagon laced the city streets. They had some of the largest buildings David had ever seen, hewn with jagged stones and metals. As uneven as they were, they loomed high over the streets like giants. David turned the corner from the busy marketplace and composed himself. He was the most hated man in Gath, and they did not yet know he was among them. He leaned against the wall and closed his eyes. Why am I here? He thought to himself. David hid himself in Gath because he knew Saul would not look for him there. However, he feared he was in more danger being among the enemy. He poked his head around the corner of the wall. A few miles forward past the busy city streets was more hill country. Perhaps he could find shelter on the outskirts of Gath and remain out of Saul's reach. David emerged from the alley and was immediately tackled to the ground. Two Philistine soldiers pinned him to the floor. David squirmed free and drove an elbow into the soldier's mouth. The other retaliated and kicked him in the ribs while he was still on the floor. David rolled back in pain, but quickly sprung to his feet to make a run for it. He ran through the busy streets, stumbling into people as he went. The soldiers were gaining on him. However, David was fast and agile. He leaped up onto a cart filled with hay, using it to boost him onto the rooftops. David jumped from rooftop to rooftop, hoping to make his way to the border. He leaped with grace and speed, steadily widening the gap between him and his pursuers. David looked ahead and saw a large distance between the next two homes. He quickened his pace into a sprint. His steady breathing propelled him forward. And like a deer over the streams of Kidron, David leaped over the clearing and onto the other side. He landed with a roll onto his side, but he did not stop. He hit the ground running and continued his running. The border was in sight. With one last jump, he hopped over the border gate. Freedom. David ran another 20 yards from the gate before being grazed in the leg. He gasped and fell onto the dirt below. He grasped the upper part of his thigh and screamed. David looked up. A dozen Philistine men were running towards him. Pain shot down his leg like burning coals. Yet David stood to his feet and drew Goliath's sword. He would not be taken without a fight. Ignoring the pain, David launched himself forward with screams and war cries. His eyes portrayed a madness brought on by fatigue, sleepless nights, and hunger. It was an alarming sight for the Philistine soldiers. David swung his sword with violent slashes and reckless abandon. The Philistines were able to subdue him and bring him to the ground. David thrashed and cried out, but was swiftly interrupted by the blunt end of a Philistine blade. David blacked out immediately and was taken away in ropes. David awoke to the dim light shining through cracks in his dark cell. The floor was wet and cold. David found himself shivering uncontrollably. His head throbbed and his legs were still shooting with pain. He looked down to observe the wound. It had been wrapped while he was unconscious. 
The arrow had only grazed him, so he knew his leg would heal soon. He observed the room around him. The stone walls were narrow and jagged, barely enough room for David to turn around. He was most likely in a prison cell dug underneath the palace. The entrance to the cell was in the ceiling above his head. David could see the faint flickering of torchlight coming through the cracks of the wooden door. He could hear footsteps drawing close, then the sound of two men speaking. We have captured the king of Israel, one of them said. David's eyes widened. Have they captured Saul as well? David thought. He inched his way closer to the door to hear more. We have him. King David, the giant slayer. It took ten of us to wrestle him down. King Achish is waiting to speak with him. Is a giant slayer also the king of Israel? The other man asked. He must be. You've heard the Israelites sing of him, haven't you? Saul has struck down thousands, but David has struck down ten thousands. That is a song for a king. David's heart began to pound even more. He was already known among the Philistines as a mighty warrior who struck down Goliath. However, he did not know that they also thought him to be king. David had to think quickly. If he posed himself as any threat to the Gath king Achish, he would surely be put to death. He had to convince them to let him go. But how? He had slain their greatest champion, laid waste to their raiders, and shamed their country. David peered up at the jagged wall surrounding him. On the wall to his left, there was a smooth section with faded carvings. They were written in a language he could not speak. To him, it was nonsense. Babble. That was when the idea struck him. David turned to the other side and picked up a small stone on the floor. He broke it into three pieces, creating tools for carving more words into the stone. He had a plan to get the name Giant Slayer removed from him and gain his freedom. We have him, your majesty. The scourge of our people is wallowing in your dungeon as we speak. The Philistine soldier bowed before his king. Achish sat on his wooden throne. The throne was thick, carved from an old cedar tree and covered in bear pelts. Above his throne, shining in the firelight, swords he had accumulated from slain kings and warlords were mantled on the wall. Achish was like many men in Gath, large, broad-shouldered, and intimidating. His wide frame made the throne of bear pelts look small. The king leaned over and gave a delighted smile. David had killed many of his men. His name was a curse on their lips. The Hebrew king is mine! Achish yelled. His servants applauded. Finally, revenge will be mine. I will have the giant slayer as my servant, and the entire nation of Israel will know that I am even greater than their greatest champion. Achish stood to his feet and walked down to the dungeons. The walls were cold and damp, completely hidden from the sun. The king of Gath relished the idea of David weeping in the darkness. As he sauntered down the hall towards David's cell, he could hear moaning echoes reverberating through the shadows. They grew louder and more haunting as he walked closer. Akish looked over to his men in confusion. Who is making that sound? The men shrugged. David was the only man being held this deep within the dungeons. A loud howl pierced through the darkness, making his men step back in fear. Akish approached the door nervously and opened it. 
His men held the torches to reveal a naked and howling David scratching at the walls of the cave. He twitched his neck back and forth, mumbling a made-up language and etching it onto the walls. David looked up like a beast spotting a hunter. He yelled and fell back, covering his face from the flames. Spittle ran down his beard as he screamed in agony. Akish looked at him with disgust and shut the doors. He held his servant by the shirt and threw him against the wall. You did not tell me he has gone mad! The king yelled. If I needed another madman mumbling about my home, I would have gone into the marketplace and picked one up. The soldiers and servants were confused. It had taken many of them to restrain and capture David. He did not seem mad then. However, now, he resembled the beast in the wilderness. Uh, let the poor fellow go. No doubt the people of Israel exiled him when he went insane. Kick him out into the forest, like you would a dog. I do not want to see him again. Behind the closed cell door, David could hear the raving of King Akish. He smiled, pleased that he had successfully tricked the king into thinking he was a madman. There would be no satisfaction in killing him or imprisoning him now. There would be no glory in defeating David in this shamed state. He gave a sigh of relief and continued to howl and scratch at the walls. Shortly after the king's outburst, the soldiers opened the door and bound David in ropes. They put a bag over his head and escorted him out of the city. The soldiers released his bindings, removed the bag, and kicked David into the nearby stream outside the city gates. David was wet and cold, but relieved to watch the soldiers walk away. David's clothes were in a pile near the water. He put them back on, composed himself, and marched back into the hills. David may not be a madman, but he still felt the shame of moral compromise. He had lied, stolen, and acted his way to safety. He feared what other sins he would have to commit to keep himself from harm. David made a fire and warmed himself by the flames. He tended to it methodically, making sure every coal was set in place to burn brightly. He looked up at the heavens and prayed to the Lord. He needed more strength than he could muster up on his own. He needed more bread. He needed the Word of God to dwell deeply within his heart. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When we are at our most vulnerable, Satan slithers in to tempt us. That is what happened to Jesus when he was starving in the wilderness. Jesus was in a compromised state physically, and Satan wasted no time attacking. He gave Jesus every opportunity to indulge, sin, and compromise. But our hero did not take the bait. At every step, Jesus resisted with the word of God. He reminded Satan who was in charge and never gave in. Certainly Jesus must have wanted to indulge. His body was hungry, but he was strong when all of us would have been weak. This story from the Gospel of Luke was chosen as the prelude in order to highlight the difference between Jesus and David. David was also in a hungry and desperate state, but chose to give in. He was weak where Jesus was strong. This is not as much a mark against David as it is a reason to appreciate Jesus. There are very few of us who would have resisted the temptation to take the bread after going two days without eating. This low point in David's life, when compared to Jesus, reminds us that Christ is the real hero. This episode is meant to prime us for David's future failures. He will continue to mess up, and we must be okay with that. There are only two different types of people in this world, sinners and Jesus. If you aren't Jesus, then you're a sinner which means imperfection and compromise are sure to abound in you. Now, before any of you jump to defending yourself, listen to 1 John 1.8. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. We are all sinners and we will all face low points in our lives. But thanks be to God that we have a perfect hero who is strong when we are weak. This story is filled with inner moral struggles and it forces us to leave the comforts of moral absolution everything being black or white, and venture into a more holistic approach to Scripture. The first temptation David is presented with is filling his belly. He is offered to take the showbread from the temple, which is clearly against the law of Moses, under the false pretenses he set up. The priest is doing the right thing, and Jesus references this story later on to affirm his decision. But David lied, and there isn't any other way to put it. Lying is wrong, but there are layers to why David lied in the first place. He didn't want to put the priest in any danger by telling them why he needed the bread. He was protecting them from his lies. However, one could argue that he should not have knocked on their door in the first place if it meant he would need to lie. Do you see the moral dilemma? David clearly needs food or he would not last long. But is eating worth the lie he needs to tell? This story is not meant to show us when it is and is not okay to lie. Rather, it is meant to show us that not every situation is put in an easy box. The same dilemma was presented to David's great-great-grandmother, Rahab. In the book of Joshua, two Israelite spies were hiding in Jericho, huddled in the house of a harlot named Rahab. Rahab had to lie to keep the spies safe. If she didn't lie, they would have been killed. So the same moral question is presented to us. Was it okay for Rahab to lie? Perhaps not. Did Rahab's lie save lives? It did. But do the ends always justify the means? 
Once again, this story is not meant to give us any moral license to lie. What we are given is a glimpse into the real human struggle we all go through. Sometimes we feel forced to compromise for the greater good. Even though there was probably a better way, we need to rely on the grace of God to course correct us, and that is exactly what David did. Time and time again, David is asking for forgiveness, provision, and grace. God certainly honors those requests. After David is given the bread, he is given the sword of Goliath. The sword is an important icon for David, since it harkens him back to a more innocent time in his life. The sword reminds him of his calling, thus tethering him to his virtues. In the Old Testament, God is always asking the Israelites to erect monuments to remember important events. He calls these monuments Ebenezers. We are all in need of Ebenezers in our lives. Objects, people, or pictures that anchor us in God's faithfulness and reminds us of times when he moved our hearts. The sword of Goliath will leave and re-enter David's life a few times, coming at a perfect time to remind him of who he is. After leaving the temple, David is forced into the belly of the beast, Gath. This is David's first time in the Philistine city, but it will not be the last. David once again needs to lie to save his life. Achish, the king of the Philistines, would love nothing more than to behead David publicly. David knows that the only way out for him is to pretend to be an animal. He foams at the mouth, howls, and strips himself of his clothes. He wanted Shabakish of the satisfaction he would have in executing him. Killing David in public would be like killing a rabid raccoon. David's plan worked, and he is released from prison. Although this episode was filled with moral failure, we are given a bit of hope at the end. The episode ends with giving us a glimpse of David by the fire. It says, David may not be a madman, but he still felt the shame of moral compromise. He had lied, stolen, and acted his way to safety. He feared what other sins he would have to commit to keep himself from harm. David made a fire and warmed himself by the flames. He tended it to methodically, making sure every coal was set in place to burn brightly. He looked up at the heavens and prayed to the Lord. He needed more strength that he could muster up on his own. He needed more than bread. He needed the word of God to dwell deeply within his heart. David is clearly learning from this experience. He is tending to his heart with the same care he tends to the flame. He asked God for guidance and forgiveness. He was given hope that at the end of the day, David is still after God's heart. In our next episode, we will see the long-term effects of David's lies and the heart of the giant slayer reawakened. Join us next time for episode 10, An Army of Outcasts, part one. Thanks again for listening. For more inspired stories, daily prayers, and wisdom to last a lifetime, go to Pray.com. Follow this broadcast on Apple or Spotify to get the newest episodes right as they come out and always be inspired by the Bible. God bless. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.